Uh, welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 223. Not 556. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Chris and Brian. Uh, today we are not going to talk about rifles, even though it is episode 223. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about some of the evolution um, to our training methods, kind of the way we structured things and how we've done things over the past maybe two years um, that we've seen a lot of the guys we shoot with uh, actually take big steps in their shooting development. Yeah. Um, these are guys that have been shooting for 20 plus years, um, but had definitely plateaued um, pretty significantly um, in some guys' cases. And were, I think, sometimes just resigned to being at the level that they were at. Yeah. Um, but have actually made pretty significant steps, uh, both on the speed and the accuracy uh, and repeatability um, sides of everything. So we're going to go through some of those things and yeah. Stay, stick, stick around. Yeah, so start off with, with who this, this group is. Um, it's a bunch of us. I mean, it's a bunch of dudes that I'm going to say 40 to 60 uh, years old. Uh, guys who, who are, you know, I grew up around guns. It's, it, you know, it's a bunch of us that grew up around guns. Some guys hunters. Most of us grew up um, with a defensive mindset use of firearms, especially handguns. Um, some prior service military guys, uh, some dudes that are significant enthusiasts, etc. But almost everyone in this group has multi-decade experience with a handgun as a defensive tool uh, and, and has trained or shot or whatever. I think what has lent to 20 years of I'm comfortable with where I'm at, um, I'd like to be better, but I'm not going to allocate the time the resources, time and money, ammo, etc., to to getting that that next big step better, um, but feeling comfortable and competent because most of the people we go shooting with that aren't within our group can't even come close. Yeah. Right. Okay. But we're but then at that point we feel pretty good, but we're comparing ourselves with what I would say are are, are novices, maybe amateurs, probably rank amateurs or novices. Um, if you got into a group of people that had legit skills. Um, you still felt pretty good because, sorry, I'm going to pick on you guys, um, police officers. Go shoot police officers, and you're leaving them in the dust. The vast majority. Yeah. Okay, the vast majority. That's not to say there's still that 10 to 20% or 10% of law enforcement that's out there learning this game and doing it at a high level. Um, there's a couple dudes that work with CPD ordinance that are fucking studs. Um, there's a couple guys on SWAT that are studs. There's a couple guys with local PDs that are trainers and get out and do this stuff, and they're, or they have serious students within the, yeah. but by and large. So that's why we felt like, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at. Had we thrown our hat into the ring at a USPSA match. D-class for life. Yeah, <laughs> at best. We, we'd have been, we, the majority of us would have been humbled, I would say. Yeah. Okay, cool. So having said that, um, that's where this group sat a couple years ago, and now that the training methodologies have kind of pushed out of the competition world and trickled down, that's where the strides have come from for a group of guys that have a pretty solid, had a pretty solid baseline, but in an older way of doing things. Yeah. That doesn't derail this, does it? No, that, okay. that, that's a really good kind of intro okay, to, cool. to say where we're at. Yeah. You know, if I look back 10, I get involved in this shooting with you guys what like 10 years ago 11 years ago ish yeah something like that yeah. you know an, an average <clears throat> training session would be we'd shoot dot torture yeah um maybe we'd shoot like todd dreams fast drill yeah um 
they're, they're, any they're, number like of old a, school quals. Yeah. Any number of old school quals. You know, whatever um, it might have been. But it kind of be a really random set of things. Um, there wasn't really a progression from week to week. Generally. Or from training session to training session. Yeah, there might have been for the night, for the training event, but, but probably not yeah. over time other than to say, we're going to do handgun for a few days in a row and maybe try and add some complexity or some movement or something, but not not like now. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we shot a lot more steel targets um, back in the day. Yeah. I would say um, there's definitely a focus on slow down and get your hits. Yeah. As opposed to get your hits. Get your hits, but don't slow down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go faster, yeah. suck less. Yeah. yeah. So some of the things I got a like kind of just a list of things. These aren't really in order, um, but they're I would say all of kind of equal importance. Um, one of the first things we've done, especially this past year, is if we're shooting a drill, um, we'll put one person on the line, uh-huh. and we'll make them shoot whatever that drill is five to six times in a row yeah um, and then we'll go down and we'll paste all the targets um, so that this does a few things um, one it gets somebody comfortable enough with what they're doing that they can actually focus on doing it mm-hmm. as opposed to having to do everything cold um, all the time uh, it also lets you see patterns starting to appear on the targets so if somebody's doing something repeatedly um, chances are they're going to do that every time they do the thing. Well, and then we can see that on the target. And even if they, even if you run, say some of the stuff that we did where we ran six to eight repetitions on the line, come to the line with eight max of eight rounds ready to go and run doubles or do this or do yeah. that or whatever it is. You, the, it, so it's not, it's not even that they do it, even if they don't do it every time, if there's some inconsistency that's a specific inconsistency, it's not everything. <laughs> if, if it's everything, it's just everything. That yeah. shows too. But if there's an inconsistency, say where you're not getting a good grip on the gun or your grip's breaking down or something like that, even if it's not every run, if it shows up three or four times, there's a cluster, yeah. not an errant round or a shotgun pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't even have to be something they screw up every time. It literally, if they screw up half the time, a third, it shows up. And that's one of the things I like about the, the accountability of paper yeah. and the extra reps. You see it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that doing this does um, is it speeds up the amount of work that we can get done in a given session. Yeah. Because uh, there's less, there's a little bit less walking around. There's less, there's definitely not less pasting of targets but there's less resetting yeah there's less time spent resetting things um yeah so that's worked really well yeah um let's talk about drill transition not target transition drill transition if you have somebody run this eight times and all they're doing is loading another mag in the gun and waiting for a beep to run it again and getting a time that versus they run it twice or once and we go down and paste yeah the walking time the pasting time and back times eight versus going down and doing it one time the pacing time increases marginally but the transition time between drills decreases dramatically yeah so you are saving a lot of time and in so we used to do some of the stuff we would do the pace might have seemed a little faster because you were constantly walking down range cleaning stuff up and then coming back and doing it but we're getting so much more work done now because of how we do it yeah you know what we're shooting more that tells the tale yeah more bullets more accounted bullets yeah yeah so cool yeah yeah one of the things before it was it was generally 
somebody would shoot, and even if we didn't reset the targets, and then it would be another person that shot, and we yeah. just kind of keep going through the line. Uh, but I, I don't think that works nearly as well as Agreed. just doing just yeah, do efficient. do all of your reps in one one set. Yeah, and then once we reset targets and change to the next shooter. Absolutely. And then we likely get to run that same drill a couple different sets of six, sets of eight, or whatever. Yeah. So again, we're shooting more with more accountability, with more eyes on you. Uh, that's a big part of our group is, you know, the expectation is if you're not stuffing mags or helping somebody else, then you're on the line watching as a safety or as a secondary coach or whatever. Um, so it gets more eyes on the shooter too, for sure. So. Yep. Uh, next thing we've done, we've kind of switched to shooting all paper all the time. Um, and by paper, we mean USPSA, yeah. cardboard backers, the American ones, um, with the head. And this is, honestly, this is about keeping people accountable for all their rounds. Yep. Um, yeah, shooting steel's fun, don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, nobody shoots small enough steel to matter. Yeah. Nobody shoots small enough steel to matter. The vast majority of people shooting steel are shooting half size, quarter size, USPSAs at relatively close range, and it's not an A zone. It's bigger. Yeah. Yeah, nobody shoots a six inch circle or a, a USPSA A zone steel. Um, if you did that, then that would be, I guess that would be okay. Um, but I also don't think that it teaches you to work out where you need to put the round within a much larger Correct. surface area. I don't want to say target because the target's the A zone, but there's homogenous surface around it that looks the same so it forces you visually to pick that spot and put the bullet where you want it versus oh I just got to hit that little thing so I mean I do think it's a different processing conversation yeah. visually yeah and unless you're painting the steel after every run yeah um, you really aren't accountable for are the hits going in the middle of the steel yeah. or the you know the upper middle of the steel or are they just hitting the steel somewhere yeah um yeah, and then I guess the other the other part of shooting paper is you can shoot paper faster than you can shoot steel. Uh, I know everybody kind of or the kind of the previous wisdom um, was that you know shooting steel makes you fast. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with that is most people will wait to hear the steel ring before they shoot the second shot. Mm -hmm. So you're not generally shooting faster than like maybe 0 0.3 or 0 0.4. Mm -hmm and your splits, whereas when we're shooting paper, um, it's send the second round as soon as the sights are acceptable. Yeah, and, and there's a big part of that too, it says that you're, you know, waiting for auditory feedback is, is a horrible thing to train yourself to do. Um, because if you ever do need to shoot something, it's probably not gonna go ping when you hit it every time. Um, accountable small steel plates don't go ping. They're yeah. super hard to hear. Um, so, that, so they suck for that too. If you go to a smaller than about, a, even a six inch plate can be very, very hard to hear or it's hung in such a way that it moves a ridiculous amount so it defeats the purpose of some of the drills yeah your not that there's not some good to that as well it's just a random good not a trained good or a planned good um you know versus going to paper another thing is the safety conversation if you shoot a lot of steel targets especially small steel targets the smaller the target gets and the smaller the closer you get to it the more likely you are to frag yourself and buddies um you know so steel when you start talking about running some of these drills at, at five to ten yards um, there's a big safety component to, yeah. to not being on steel, um, and and just in general, shooting steel has its risks. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's like, oh my God, you're gonna, you know, you're all gonna die on the range. But it is something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One other thing with uh, shooting the paper targets, uh, a lot of times we will put a black, like piece of black tape, 
uh, like a one inch piece of black tape, maybe just above the A in the A zone, mm -hmm. or we'll flip a pacer uh, backwards so you see the white backside of the pacer. Yeah. Um, and it just gives your eye something to, to latch onto and to really reinforce the pick a small point on the target and aim at that as opposed to just seeing the target and as soon as you see the target behind the sights, yeah. uh, start shooting. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, next thing, we've really focused on building a progression of training events so that we build on, build from one event to the next. And then even within a training event, uh, we're trying to layer skill sets uh, so that what we do the first drill, we can then leverage into the second drill, leverage into the third drill. Um, we really don't typically do more than maybe two or three drills anymore yeah. in a given training session, uh, which has seemed to work really well. Yeah, we burn uh, those drills in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reps there. There's those drills get, get pushed through enough to see what you're failing within that drill to make the correction. For sure. Yeah. 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 Doing stuff like go stop um, after the fourth or fifth time in a row isn't necessarily fun, um, but it does tell you who went to the gym that week. <laughs> <laughs> well, or who's been going for the last year. year. So, yeah. 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 Cardio matters. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things that has paid, really paid off, was spending, we spent what, like two, three training sessions. Um, I think towards the beginning of this year and then definitely towards the end of last year, um, just shooting the doubles drill yeah. um, and getting really, really good at grip, um, really working, you know, trigger control at speed um, and then finding out exactly how much confirmation of the sights and what aiming schemes we need to work with um, at a given distance uh, because those are like truly foundational and fundamental skills yeah. that get leveraged into every other drill that we shoot after that yeah. um, versus trying to do stuff that was kind of, I wouldn't say it was too complicated, um, but to, to be able to do um, splits really fast and transitions really fast, and we'll get to transitions here in just a moment, um, the grip on the pistol has to be way better than I think any of us ever thought it had to be. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be, you know, strong, durable, repeatable. You know, all those things matter, and you're not going to get that without practicing it, for sure. And the nice thing about doubles, again, it shows you where it's going sideways, if it's going sideways, or it confirms that, hey, you're doing that right. Yeah. Um, and and if everything's too perfect, go back. Go or go faster. Go faster. Go faster or go back further, whatever. Uh, you know, one or the other, you know, because that's the beauty of it is, if everything's beautiful, you know, then push it. If you're at 10 yards, then push it to 20. If everything's beautiful and you're at 20, go back to 40. You know, try it. Well, probably, maybe not 40, but, you know, go back to whatever distance yeah. it is that where, you know, you find where it breaks and and look at the target because it'll tell you where to work. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, transitions, um, pushing transitions into drills. Um, when we're shooting transitions, you know, we're really focused on the split time between the second shot on the first target and then the first target on the second target. Yep. First shot, um, on, the, first shot on the second target. Yeah. Got, okay. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so if we are shooting really transition focused stuff, um, a lot of times we will shoot one shooter at a time so that we can look at the split times. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just running everybody in the line at the same time. 
Uh, sometimes we will run everybody on the line at the <clears> same <throat> time, and then the expectation is that you will try to beat whoever else is on the line. Yeah. Uh, which adds some some fun competition. Um, definitely pushes people to go faster uh, because nobody wants to be lost for yep. the person to finish their shooting. Sure. Um, but yeah, the transitions uh, transitions are something that can get practiced in dry fire. Uh, if you want to get really good at the visual aspect of transitions, um, there's, I'd say, three places in the United States where they actually where you, people get enough ammo um, that you can do this in live fire. Uh, for all of the rest of us, um, we have to do this in dry fire. Yeah, FBI, HRT, um, you know, D boys and. Dev group. Dev group. You know, some place like that are the only... And then I still think within some of those places, there's an expectation that you're doing it on your own. Now, it might be somebody else's bullets, but the time-wise, it still matters yeah. there, right? Um, and, and they're probably still dry-firing. And that's funny, because I was just going to say, the only way you're going to make this happen is through dry-fire, unless you have your own range and you're a gazillionaire and just have truckloads of ammo waiting to be burned through. Yeah. You know, but it, 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 same thing. We're saying the same thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's those guys, so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, if you're not doing the dry fire, for the visual aspect of it, um, the other thing I think that the dry fire pushes is sometimes you get to the range and guys get weird about staying target focused at the range versus in dry fire. I, I don't know why. I feel like it's easier for me to stay target focused doing dry fire because I know the gun's not doing anything. I know it's not moving around. Yeah. I don't have to worry about, you know, I, I don't know mentally. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know how to articulate it but it seems easier to stay target focused in, in dry fire than when I get to the range. Although my eyesight's bad enough up close that staying target focused at a distance is kind of my only choice because I can't get, a, you know, that I couldn't get a crisp front sight if I wanted it. Yeah. And the, and the, the optic, the reticle is not going to be clear either. It doesn't matter what optic, you know, through four, three or four different optics that I own. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. With dry fire and the visual part, there's definitely, Something to be said for not having the gun bouncing around, mm -hmm. um, not having a you know explosion happening yep. two feet away from your face um, that lets you really figure out the vision part yeah. of shooting um, in dry fire. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely agree. So. And then kind of the last point um, that's taken. This is more a psychological thing, but we've we've kind of forced some people to go, get comfortable. Going fast and being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, for a long time, you know, the methodology was, you know, perfect accuracy, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say perfect accuracy, but it was definitely like being being accurate and being slow was acceptable. Well, I mean, and how long have we heard, how long have we heard uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast and da, 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 da. slow is slow? Yeah. Period. Slow is slow. That that if that hasn't died um, by now, if you're still saying that saying, um, punch yourself in the face twice. If you can, if you're gonna punch yourself in the face twice, please call me so I can come video it because it'd be funny to watch. So, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that, and and you know that's it, it's just it's just the 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 new way of doing things is the new way for a reason. Um, and it's not just all some flash in the pan new way. It's it's a it's a better way of doing things. Yeah. Um, for sure. So yeah, the the all of this stuff combined, um, like you said, has taken some guys who were solid shooters. You know, in in most environments, um, if you 
you know, now if you put them in an elite environment, they would be less, it's not that they wouldn't be humbled. If you put them in an elite environment and got them on the line with some of the best shooters in the world to go shoot a match, they'd be humbled and they knew they know they get their butt spanked, but they'd also be watching to try and pick up the next degree of improvement. Yeah. Because now they know where to look. And I think that's been a big issue is the, the separation, the disparity between your average, quote, I'm using air quotes, quote unquote, competent shooter and, and a truly skilled shooter was, was this huge chasm um, and, and I think that that gap doesn't seem so insurmountable chasing some of the techniques. Um, I will throw one other thing in, I hope you don't mind, on Go top on. of your pile. Yeah. The ability to relax. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that the physically relax, to drop the tension out of your shoulders, um, to, to let your grip manage the gun, but to let everything else stay loose so that you can actually move, and that's a big deal. Um, you know, if you look at sprinters and stuff on the line, at a, at a hundred meter race, you know they're jumping around, trying to stay loose, shaking everything out. They're getting down in, um, you know, in the blocks and getting ready to rock and roll, and they're staying loose the whole time. You can see muscles not flexed, but like bouncing and whatnot. And then when the gun goes off, they're up and out and they're loose doing this because you can't, if you're tense, you can't move as fast as you can when you're loose. Yeah. Same thing with the boxer analogy. Watch a boxer. So staying loose, getting guys to not turtle up, not do the old school. Bring your head down into your shoulders. It's going to be a fight. You're going to duck your head anyway. Okay, cool. Um, you're probably not going to duck from a guy with a rifle at, at 30 feet. You're probably not going to duck like your head down like he's going to punch you. Now, yeah. you might poop your pants because he might be throwing a 2,800 foot per second round at you. That's different. But being able to stay loose, move quickly, get the shots off quickly, keep your right hand, enough tension out of your right hand around the trigger fast, enough tension in your left hand to keep the gun from and keep your shoulders where you can move, let your yeah. eyes move, your head, your head, your eyes, your neck, all that stuff move, you can't do it when you're all tensed up. So that's probably what the only other thing I would add to this is this methodology is, is that. And the more you do it, especially repeatedly in repetitions where you're doing a string where you're doing five, six, seven, eight runs of a six or eight round string, yeah. and your buddy's behind you going, dude, you're turtling up. Are you Raphael? Are you Michelangelo? Which one are you? You know, and 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 it, it, it forces you to. That's in now. That's tickling yeah. you, right? That's tickling your, not your epiglottis, your, the thing in the back of your lizard brain. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's another word for it, but I can't say because it it's dirty. Anyway, um, it's tickling that part of your brain. So yeah, that 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 as well. But all those things combined, it's just a little bit different way of looking at all of it. Yeah. And when you combine a lot of little bits different, it's pretty significant. And that that's one of those skills that you really can't learn unless you're willing to push going a lot faster than you're comfortable yeah. uh, because you can get away with it when you go slow. Yeah, and I do think that you can mimic that staying loose in dry fire, but when the gun goes bang and jumps, then you want to hold on to it, right? I mean, that's something mm -hmm. that – in and more and, and I, I go back to Frank Proctor. You know, Frank Proctor's l let it do. Just, just let it do. Let the gun's going to do what it's going to do. Um, I just read a, a thing from Frank uh, the other night on IG that was probably posted somewhere else. But anyway, it was one of those conversations around that the grip, you know, a grip, grip of the gun firmly, strong hand, crush it with your left hand, and the gun's going to move, let it move. You can't keep it from moving. But learn that cadence, that's back to doubles. But you're yeah. not going to do that if you're not loose. If you're trying to force it, you're going to overcompensate and do all yeah. that silly stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these, again... We keep saying this probably at the end of every podcast. When we talk about the training stuff, I know that we're a hardware business. We sell hardware. Um, and I would love to get geeked about hardware. 
I would love to be the guy who gets all moist when someone says staccato. And it's like, it's just another tool. The best dudes out there, it's just another tool. I would love to get wrapped around the axle when someone talks about their high dollar custom made AR. Um, it's a tool, it's a hammer. Some guys have more expensive hammers than other dudes. Some guys have bigger hammers than other guys. Sorry, get over yourself. <laughs> uh, but the reality check is the software is where the game's won. Um, we you know, had an incident here locally uh, with, our, with one of our local police departments that was pretty ugly. One of the you know one of the dudes involved in the incident kill you with a freaking soup spoon. He wouldn't even need a gun. You know, I mean, buddy knows how to run it. And it doesn't matter what's in his hands. There's just dudes like that out there, and we're all trying to strive to be that guy that it doesn't matter what tool we pick up, we can go do work with it, um, and go from there. And that's what this is: is finding the most efficient way to do it. So that's what we're working on, and we love to have those conversations about that. Yeah. So anytime, come on down. Um... Except on Sunday and Monday. Yeah. Because we're at 4465 Cemetery Road, capcityoutfitters.com, uh, but we're not open on Sunday and Monday. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On that note, uh, when we find interesting things, we try to get posted up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, we're Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we're Cap City Outfitters 2. Um, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Um, also over at silencershop.com, they're doing electronic form ones. So if you got an AR pistol, you want to turn into a legit SPR, um, makes it pretty easy to do that. Also a side note on that. Yeah. They Right now, the suppressor industry is soft <clears throat> and slow. Uh, there are a number of companies doing free tax stamps or, or they're giving you a gift card for the amount of attack stamps so you can go buy accessories, mounts, etc., or hats, t-shirts, whatever, I don't care. But there are eight or nine different pretty good deals going on with different manufacturers right now that are all posted on Silencer Shop's website. Um, a, a really good time to buy a can. When the industry gets soft, these guys react and they're aggressive. So be aware of that and go check it out. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. Um, as Chris mentioned, we're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Lee's Fusion Grill. Um, we are here t Tuesday through uh, Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and then Saturdays 10 to 3, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.